the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Rob Black, sitting in for CFP Chad Burton. Chad and I have known each other for, I think, roughly 25 years. I think that's probably maybe 23, 24, or 25. <clears throat> I was working as a registered investment advisor as a very young man, and he was working as a financial planner, a certified financial planner, a designation that was not new, but he had come from the background of insurance. He was in Oregon. I was in Washington, D.C., I think we were both bringing a young man's approach to investing, maybe a new take. We worked very hard. We became very successful. Ultimately, we sold our company to EP Wealth because they have more to offer than what we could. And hiring becomes a problem when you grow in the industry. So one of the most important things that you're going to need to know when you're wealthy and working with a financial planner is, do you really want to work with a one-man show, a 10-man show? or a company that's got 100 plus people and a staff that is more dedicated to serving the person that's serving you. Um, I don't know. I think there's many ways to skin the cat. Poor cat. He bounces and he gets skinned, right? Um, But I think the truth be told is that I think things get more complicated through the years. Some families have the nuclear family where there's multiple divorces and multiple remarriages. Some have the gay and lesbian and homosexual mom and dads. And in some parts of society, that's totally acceptable. And in some parts of society, that's a little bit tougher to work with financial institutions. Um, Even though it shouldn't be because of civil rights, I think we all kind of know that I'm speaking a little bit of a truth. Um, I love Chad like a brother. And at times we don't like each other because we don't always see eye to eye. Uh, and I think that's also very, very important when you're working with a financial planner is that sometimes he's going to say things that you don't want to hear. And you got to think, okay, this is my best interest. I liked him at one time. Let's move forward. I've asked Chad numerous times, hey, what about me? What do you think? Do I need uh, disability insurance now that I'm in the last five, 10 years of my W2 world. I plan to keep working. I plan to keep doing this podcast. I plan to keep um, helping you until I'm 70 or dead. I like this gig. You know, maybe I'll pick up a side gig like volunteering, but I like this. I like talking to you. I like learning. It's kind of my thing. And I feel real comfortable with it. That's a little background on the history of CFP, Chad Burton, and Rob Black. And what I believe, some of the modules that EP Wealth is able to uh, direct that I've never been able to is real estate analysis. We have some fancy computers that have some fancy software and software works in modules. And for instance, I have a home that I bought 25 years ago in Raleigh, North Carolina. I like buying real estate in college towns. Call me crazy, but that kind of works for me. Um, just automatically in my head, I think I've always got renters. College towns typically have hospitals. College towns typically have fire departments. College towns typically have teachers. 
College towns typically have students. Um, that has always helped me feel comfortable thinking that I'll always have renters. So I bought a home for $140,000 25 years ago. And for the first couple of years, it was a little bit of a fixer-upper because I had bought a home that needed a little fix-it-up. Through the years, I'd have renters in it, and I have a great property management company. Why do I have a property management company? Because I would never ever own rental real estate unless I did. I don't want to be a landlord, and I don't want to be the guy who argues with someone. Oh, you tore up the bathroom, and I have to need a new toilet out because you cracked it. Because I didn't crack it. I flushed and it cracked. How many times does that happen? How many times has it happened that like, oh, they don't have the rent money, and my rental company that that's involved, they pay me the bill and they go after the people. I would much, much rather that relationship. I know I'm not as profitable. And see, that's where the, uh, the thing comes in. My children know that I have this ritual property. My children know that it's there. I don't know if right now it's $350,000 from 160000 Basically 15, 20 years. I'd say 20 years now. Let's see. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'd say 17 to 20 years. So it's doubled in that period of time, which is typical on real estate, believe it or not. I know you're saying, I'm used to California real estate. I want more. <clears throat> nope. Assets grow like this. Stocks are number one. Bonds historically have been number two. Real estate has been number three. Now, real estate has the advantage of location, 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 where I'm telling you, Raleigh was a great investment for where I was 20 years ago. And it did nicely, but it's such a small part of my overall wealth now, I have to run a real estate analysis on it. If I were to sell it, pay the taxes on capital gains, do I have capital gains taxes? Nope, it's not up to 150000 um, So I get that exclusion, right? Well, not quite because I didn't live in it. Oh, then I have to take a look at, right now I'm charging $1,400 a month of rent. So what's that come out to? It's about 16000 a year. On a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar asset, what rate of return of is that? It's lower than historically um, putting it into a REIT. So it's cash flowing nicely, and it's paid off mostly, um, and it's in good condition. And I could definitely sell it, but I'm not getting as much out of it as I would want to. It's actually a pretty close number, but it takes a, a real estate module to tell me that. I hope you're picking up what I'm putting down. At EP Wealth, they have that. They have the software to run analysis on stock options. They have the module that can run the analysis on you know alternative investments versus traditional investments. Software is kind of like a super employee, if that makes any sense to you. So that's the history, a little bit of me and Chad and EP Wealth and why I did what I did. I was on the investment advisor side and the um, talk to people side, get people interested in saving for retirement. I've done a great job of that. Um, I can tell you thousands of people have gotten hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars because of me. Uh, just me in, in, introducing them to investing, me introducing to them that's not a game, me introducing them that down markets, buying opportunity, not a selling situation. Chad was a financial planner and he has this ability to bond with individuals that I really don't. 
Um, COVID has been good for me because I don't really like working in an office environment. COVID has been good for me because I, I, I can talk to you. And now we get to introduce a new thing into our conversation. What happens if there's a pandemic in retirement? Just like in 2008, what happens if there's a housing correction? 2000, what happens if there's a massive tech stock correction? 2016, the Trump administration. 2020, the Biden administration. 2008, the Obama administration. Like You can see how this plays out, right? I've been through many cycles. Every now and then you get something that is totally unexpected, Russia and Ukraine. You know, I'm not a political analyst. I could tell you, uh, Russia is something I would never have predicted. How long this war has lasted, never have predicted. What kind of world recession is it going to cause? I, I didn't see that one coming either. In the long run, I can tell you, capitalism will prevail. And we'll come up with, like, uh, instead of shutting down nuclear power plants, we'll fire them back up. Um, there's never a right or wrong answer. There's just compromises uh, and doing things the best you can. With that being said, you can find me online at Rob Black Show. That's Rob Black Show. You can find CFP Chad Burton at chadburton.com. Um, you can also check out EP Wealth at epwealth.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Find my podcast, The Rob Black Show, at at podcasts like Google or the podcast button at Apple, iTunes. You can find it. It's Spotify and much, much more. I'm Rob Black. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. So, I'm Rob Black, sitting in for CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton and I sometimes cross-pollinate each other's shows. On any given Friday, he can sit in with me for an hour, two hours, and it's really quite a different show because it's not good cop, bad cop, but I think he interviews really well. I think he does a lovely podcast, which you can find, and you should tell friends about if you enjoy the content because Lord knows it's free content. Tell friends. Tell them they can go to Apple. They can go to Google stores. They can go to Spotify. You can search for Chad Burton Show, Chad Burton New Focus on Money. You'll find it. Spread the word. Seriously. Um, Podcasting has changed a lot. In the last five years, it's become less of an influencer's market and more of an establishment market. If you take a look at some of the podcasts, you're seeing not the guy who wants to be the comedian, but Dana Carvey. Not the guy, you know, do you see what I'm saying? So spread the word. That's uh, we've spent zero dollars on marketing of the show. It'd be great if you helped out. One of the areas that I want to talk about is recently I went to do a small family reunion. We got five of the six kids together. Both my parents are dead. Oh, I, I know. Don't feel bad for me. Um, and it's kind of interesting. I've got a brother who's 66 years old. I've got a sister who's 48, uh, 47 years old. So 47 to 66. That's a big swing. I've got a brother who's in retirement. We got together to talk about my mother's memorial. She died of COVID in early 2021. Um, <clears throat> one brother 
wants to put her ashes on top of my father's grave. The other siblings don't care. One brother wants to put the ashes, and that's going to be $3,000 to $6,000. So that's going to come out of the inheritance. And ultimately, that's not a lot of money to me, but it's a lot of money to some of my siblings. And she had stated that she wanted to be buried with him, but she was also a little loco in the cocoa the last few years. Um, I've told my spouse, if I die, you can bury me in the backyard in a shoebox, not cremated, just in little pieces, and have the squirrels dig me up and bring me up to the patio <laughs> piece by piece by piece. And then I go, no, no, I want my body given to science. Um, and it was kind of interesting because we, we had that conversation. And I was trying, I'm the funny one in the family. Typically, you get negative reinforcement as a child, i.e. my father noticed me when I did anything wrong. You develop a sense of humor. So I'm the funny one talking about squirrels digging me up. All my other brothers are like, yeah, let's do, let's do the cremation. And then the one brother is like, yeah, let's put her ashes, even though she didn't really want to be cremated on his body. I'm like, will she ever know? And instead of starting a fight where we never see each other again, we're like, okay, we'll do whatever you want. In this case, majority does not win. That's an easy one to please them on. Um, with that said, um, it can show you how, did we handle it correctly? Did we handle it incorrectly? Obviously, a brother who needs an extra three or $4,000 in inheritance or a part of that is going to be a little upset. But then again, we got more than we ever thought we would have had because I did the job of managing the portfolio. My brother did the job of paying the uh, nursing bills, old folks home, which for the record is about $100,000 a year. So if you're in an old folks home and you're in a wheelchair, you're using a cane or your mind is gone and they're giving you your pills all day. In most markets, it's going to be 80000 to a hundred thousand dollars a year so my mom lived in poor health for the last three and a half four years so it was probably four hundred thousand dollars we had to move her out of her home because one day it was a two-level home which she wanted to die in which i think is again another thing you need to talk to your parents about and say mom I'm going to move you into a one-level rancher. I'm going to sell the house. If you get to the point that you can't go up and down stairs. I now have a uncle-in-law. Is that what they're called? Um, that he's in that situation. That his health is, is, is going down. The wife is going to outlive him for, by 10, 15 years. But he falls on a regular basis. And he won't leave the house. Do you see some of these dumb conversations we have to have with our parents? Uh, is cremation okay? Is uh, you know putting you on a one-level house okay? Is hiring a nurse okay? Because my mom started losing her mind with uh, Alzheimer's. Um, she she had a little bit more of a racist in her than than she should have. She grew up in the deep deep south, and she believed that anyone. She didn't believe this in her lifetime, but in the last five years, she believed that people were stealing money from her. Um, including my brother. Again, my brother did the lawyer side of the relationship. I did the financial management side of the relationship. Um, this is important to note um, because it's not really what I was expecting. 
and it never really is. So going back to the little family reunion we had, um, I did a nice job of breaking down what we can do with her estate because she died in 2021. It was X amount of dollars. But after her death or upon her death, it was worth X. After her death, it's X plus whatever is new. So in the last 18 months, because we had our lot of fixed income and shares of Apple and things like that, the portfolio grew quite nicely. It added another million plus dollars. Uh, I don't close. It's not quite the right number, but for the sake of radio show, let's just go with that. So now we have to divide that six ways. But wait, wait, wait. Because there was a gain after her death, we owe the state of Virginia income tax on the gains after her death. If we sell it and go to cash, that's option one, and then divide it six ways. Option two is take you know 600 shares of Apple, give me 100, give my sister 100, give my other brother 100, give it, divide it equally. But then you get into, then the individual has to have a brokerage account. They have to have advice from a financial person like myself, um, which is cleaner. It was a sizable amount of money where some of my brothers might buy a Tesla. Some of my brothers might buy a house. Some of my brothers and sisters may buy a, a world vacation. Or they could say, this is you know a good chunk of my retirement portfolio right here, right now. And now we know my brother Rob's good at what he does. So we can hire him or use him. They're not going to hire me. What was even more interesting is through all of this, I wrote this beautiful email explaining option one cash, option two, split it up in kind. And my brother's like, like, wow. And it dawned on me, I became the most successful because I, didn't, I took chances. I became an entrepreneur and started my own company. Out of all my siblings, they all have pensions. I'm the only one that won't but I will have more money than them because I don't have a pension. Family dynamics. Interesting, right? Find me online at robblackshow.com. Now back to new focus on wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. So I'm Rob Black sitting in for CFP Chad Burton. I gave up my professional credentials in large part um, to do focus completely on financial media. Um, you can think of me as a younger Jim Cramer who is more moderate. You can think of me as an intelligent Susie Orman. Whichever one works for you. Um, I think in a game of financial jeopardy, I would crush, crush Dave Ramsey. I would crush Suze Orman. No, I don't think. I would have bet my entire wealth on it. So if anyone wants to put a charity event together, uh, that's where I stand on that. Why do I bring it up quite like that? Well, I think it's important that you um, try not to be right. You try not to find someone to tell you what to do. You kind of learn to fish along the way. You learn dumb little things like a lot of wealth is created during down markets. So next time you see a down market, you're like, I remember hearing that somewhere. Should I sell? And a lot of wealth is made during a down market. It's in the back of your head. And you're like, no, I think I should buy. But again, that's going to be up to you. Let's talk a little bit about money and how much you need 
this is what CFP Chad Burton does. He manages wealth. I help create wealth. I hope that makes some sense to you. How much do you really need in your nest egg at certain points of your career or your life is pretty interesting because that's probably the, the number one most important question that I get and the number one right question I get from people. So in your 20s, you're coming out of college or high school. You're trying to break away from mom and dad. You're trying to start your career and make real money. You're spending changes after living with your parents or in a college dorm. You can now afford a place of your own. You might want to splurge with an amazing rooftop deck. You might have some disposable income for the first time in your life after making your payments on your student loans. You may want to take a weekend trip each month with friends. I get it. We're all a little bit different. But when I had to sign that first apartment lease or book a hotel for a getaway, it dawned on me like, I need a budget. I think your 20s is really about setting up your goals, making some financial mistakes, learning how to use money and think about money. I think it's really important that you start hitting milestones at age 30, 40, 50, and 60. And it's definitely by 60 when you're no longer bringing in a paycheck. So I look at it as your investment lifetime is 40 years. Most people don't start saving their income when they're 15 years old. If you're scooping ice cream or waiting tables at a Bob's Big Boy, you're probably spending that money completely on the weekend at movies or on clothes or in video games. I get it. That's fine. There's no one recipe for success here. Each plan is unique. Each lifestyle is different. Each plan should be designed by the individual, maybe with a financial planner, maybe not. By age 30, you should have saved an amount of money equal to your annual salary for retirement. As both Fidel and Ally Bank recommend, if your salary is $75,000, you should have saved $75,000 by age 30. The best way to save in your 20s, after you find an apartment, after you find a girlfriend that you're living with, after you figure out your monthly trips with your friends that are no longer fun, that staying home with your girlfriend on a weekend is, is much more exciting. But by your, but what you should be doing is at your first job, oh, you have a 401k? I heard 401ks are a great way to save for retirement or 403bs. Yep. So if you're able to save 10, 15% of your salary, you're able to get that money close to your salary in, by the time you turn 30. This is not, this is not a hardcore roadmap. Many Americans don't sign up for 401k in their 20s, meaning they're not taking advantage of a potential employer match. My employer match is 4%. So if they pay me $100,000 a year, they actually give me $104,000 a year. An employer match on your 401k is free money. It's roughly a quarter of employees are leaving free money on the table. So when I give speeches to Visa or I give speeches, speeches to Genentech, the younger people in the, the audience, I'm like, okay, you got to take advantage of that much. You got to. You got to put in you know, enough. If it's 5% to match their 4%, do it. It's free money. And then on top of it, I get into a little bit more details, get a little more granular. Many young people have debt because those first couple of years after college, they're like, I think I do want a rooftop apartment. I think I do want to go to Miami in the next month to 
Martha's Vineyard and the next month after that to Seattle. And you suddenly are putting stuff on credit cards that you shouldn't. So it's admirable to be debt-free, but it's also not terribly realistic to think everyone in their 20s are going to be debt-free. So in your 20s, uh, you get 401k going. In your 30s, you make sure that you're taking advantage of that 401k, maxing it out, paying down debt. Many young people we work with in this industry hate being in debt and strive to pay it off as quickly as possible. I'm okay. I've never prepaid a mortgage payment. I completely expect to have mortgage debt when I die. Now, I will leave enough money that others who inherit it can pay that off if they don't want to pay off 2.5% mortgage. I'm like, I'll tell my sons, if there's a mortgage for 2.5%, try not to pay it off. I know, I know, I know. That'll be my rosebud moment. I consider any debt below 7% to be good debt and to save up until that point. In your 40s, you should have three times your salary. Three times your annual salary put away for retirement at age 40. Now, again, I don't know what you make, but for the sake of me not pulling out an abacus or a calculator, let's say you make 100000 a year, you should have at least $300,000. If you have more, good. In the end, when you turn 60, you're going to want somewhere between 10 to 20 times your salary. Isn't that crazy? Now, let's keep talking about these age periods. Every household, regardless of their net worth or stage of life, owes it to themselves to create a comprehensive, thorough, individualized financial plan. I don't care if you do it on a yellow binder, a yellow you know, paper uh, whatever works for you. You want legal paper, you want science paper, whatever it is. You should keep some documents on, I want to retire with 10 to 20 times my salary. At age 40, I want to have three times my salary, if not more. Then in your 30s, you're probably thinking about a home, you're thinking about babies, right? So life gets a little bit more complicated. So when you turn 40, your babies are a little bit older, your home is a little bit more established. That's when you're going to have that midlife crisis. I had one myself on some level, um, and it wasn't smart. So it wasn't a Lamborghini for me. It wasn't clothes. But I did make some mistakes in my 40s on temptation. The most common mistake that people make in their 40s is they let their spending increase because now they're making more money and they've got a lot of money saved. And they go, let's look around. I want to go to Monaco. There's the F1 rally car race. I've seen it on Netflix. It looks kind of awesome. I'm going to get an expensive hotel and go. Um, Don't bite off more than you can chew. Save within your budget. Your budget should always have saving for retirement first, paying your mortgage second. Then maybe down at five or six on your list should be go to Monaco and the Kentucky Derby. But if you receive a $5,000 annual raise, that doesn't send you to Monaco. It doesn't send you to the Kentucky Derby. It says, I'm going to save 15% of that. And yeah, I do want you to have a piece of chocolate on occasion, but the way I do it, and this is what I try to teach my kids, 
Um, one Hershey kiss is just as good as 10. 10 will make you fat and give you diabetes. One will be like, oh, that's a nice way to get a bed. I know you're saying you have some cavities down to your probably. If you invest that $5,000 raise that you get in your 40s into an investment account that grows at 10%, you'll have $822,000 over 30 years. Now, you can also spend that money pretty easily because it's, it's a bigger chunk of money than you're used to. When you turn 50, you should have five times your salary saved. I'm a little bit more aggressive and I'll say six to eight because I saw a brother of mine lose his job in his 50s, kind of due to age discrimination. He becomes the most expensive employee at a firm because his healthcare is the most expensive because he's 50. Working at a firm with 20-year-olds, get rid of the old guy. Plus, when you're in your 50s, you have a, an assumption on salary needs other than a young person. But also when you're 50, you should you know, probably stop diverting money into college tuition for your children and start catching up on your 401k contributions. That's pretty awesome. The IRS gives you an extra $7,000 plus. It increases every couple of years. In your 50s, you should start cutting down costs. I live in a 3,000 square foot home that by the time I turn 65 and retire, I want to be in a 1,500 square foot home. By the time you turn 60 and you're thinking of retirement, you should have seven to 10 times your income. You should start cutting down on risk. I want you to really get to 10 to 20 times your income just in case there's a year where you see inflation spike five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10%. You're not going back to work after you're 60. I'm Rob Black, giving you the numbers. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. The most popular stocks right now in portfolios by mutual fund managers, indexes, hedge funds are called meh Tana. I know you're saying, what happened to Fang? Fang was Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google. It's not quite right. Um, So what is Maytana? It's going to make you crazy. Is why do we have to play this silly acronym game? Because media... Maytana is Microsoft, Apple, Tesla, Alphabet, NVIDIA, Amazon, dropping Meta and Netflix, while adding Apple, Tesla, and NVIDIA. And you're like, should I own those? They're widely owned. There's something to be said for owning widely owned, but be careful because it has typical overvaluations tied to them because everyone knows about them and everyone wants them for their past performance. One of the very first things I ever learned in this industry was past, per, uh, past performance, not indicative future results, consult a broker or advisor for taking action on any stocks I ever mentioned. I could talk about Apple having a big event and how the stock should or should not do in the coming years based on product. I think the two big drivers for Apple in the midterm will be virtual reality, augmented reality goggles and a car that's midterm that's three to five years 
in the short term, it's how well do their services do and how fast do they catch, uh, how do they do compared with Google on phones? So, but then you also get into the situation on the, the stock market. I'm trying to teach you a little bit about what we do here. Microsoft, Apple, Tesla, Alphabet, NVIDIA, Amazon, all great names, in my opinion. Um, Fang used to be Facebook, but now they're Meta. So they're like, do you see how this is kind of stupid? Meta's being dropped from favorites. And I kind of get it. Um, Advertising dollars have shifted. I would much rather give advertising dollars to TikTok or YouTube right now because that's where young people are watching. Everyone who I know who posts on Facebook is old. Um, so I'm not seeing a lot of young eyeballs. I've got a family member who I guess is an aunt or a cousin. I don't really know how family trees work. I would be bad in Westeros, the imaginary world of Game of Thrones, because I probably would marry my cousin. I think I don't get family trees well. Don't know why my brain doesn't process it, but it doesn't. Moving on, do you want to be like everyone else and say, I'm going, you know, Facebook was great 10 years ago. I'm sticking with it. Or do you want to go with a new updated list? I love Microsoft because I've got Microsoft 365. It stores all my photos. It stores all my documents. It does a great job of it. And I can go to your computer, my computer. I can go to my vacation home's computer jump online and get my emails. I no longer have to buy every year um, the individual you know, office or Outlook. I'm just resigned to, yep, I'm paying a subscription. I like Apple because their dominance in number of units sold and services. Tesla, when you see the state of California say that 25%, 50%, 100% of all cars by the year 2035 is scaling number into that, have to be electric vehicles, I see them as having an edge. Except for they don't really have a cheap version of, of a Tesla. On top of that, I don't think those numbers are realistic because I know that lithium is a lot tougher to get to than we than we want. We want the batteries to magically appear to us. But a mining CEO that I was recently listening to goes, eventually we'll have enough, but not by 2035. Um. The Inflation Reduction Act is putting pressure on companies like PLL, Piedmont Lithium, that I don't think it's speculative when you're seeing mandates by the U.S. government to sell electric vehicles in states and federal levels to look at a lithium miner because electric vehicles need lithium. It's like computers need silicon. At one point in time, a company that made semiconductors that weren't made of silicon made them with gallium arsenide. And gallium arsenide were able to handle the electrons moving back and forth faster, which was better for communication stocks than uh, than computers. If you think that there is a tech timeline where computers were important, where cell phones became important, where electric vehicles became important... Lithium is the player right now. Should you buy it? I can make a very strong argument for you should at least look into it. Can I determine what's right or wrong for you? There is no alternative to lithium for electric vehicles. Mm. 
I need to back off because I'm giving you too much insight. A couple other things I want to let you know about. The Federal Reserve, and this is just for future reference in case I die. When they raise interest points, 25 basis points, that's considered a smaller one. But it takes about nine months to bleed into the system of credit cards. It takes nine months to bleed into the system, how it affects how much you're saving or investing, how much you're not having. or, or. So When they raise interest rates or lose lower interest rates, it takes nine months. But the market looks six months in the future. So you kind of have to deal with the Federal Reserve has raised twice 75 basis points. They haven't even really been completely pushed in the market. But Wall Street's absorbed at least six months of it. Because Wall Street is a discounting mechanism. Um, it's a weird teeter-totter. And again, these are my interpretations of what I've seen from history of doing this. It's my interpretations of people like Warren Buffett, what he's seen doing it longer than me. And I hope you get some sort of interpretation that works for yourself. My goal is to help you get to retirement. Chad's goal is to help you manage your wealth in retirement. You can find Chad at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. You can find his podcast on Spotify, on Google, and Apple phones. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.